and welcome to this episode of Irreligiosophy, the One True Podcast. Uh, we've been supplying religious podcasts with their material since January 2009. You know, I don't know if our fans realize just how hard of work this is. They wonder where Pacti went. We now have the resurrected Pacti working full-time on writing material that we can pass on to these theist podcasts. Well, I hate to... Um... I had to burst your bubble there, Leighton. Um, we couldn't resurrect Pacti. So actually, I went out and bought, um, you know, the, the market for Tide Children since we've started this uh, has gone way up. So what I did was I just uh, bought a North Korean kid named Inchul. And I know you can't tell the difference, but uh, remember, Pacti skinny, Inchul fat. So should I stop shoving the electrode up Inchul's ass to <laughs> recharge him? <laughs> <laughs> he seems to enjoy it, though. I don't know if we should take that away from him. Pacti enjoyed it. I'm not so sure uh, well, Inchul likes it very much. Every time I plugged Pacti in, he would flail around, so I knew he was enjoying it. But uh, yeah. what, what, what did you do with Pacti's body? I think he, he, the last time you did it, he mentioned something about a, a pumpkin head underneath his breath. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, let's actually... Uh, before we get into the meat of the podcast, let's uh, spend some time on some iTunes reviews. Uh, we got this one recently. Homeschool Atheist Mom, five stars, KBORA73. Uh, this podcast is my new favorite. Though the hosts are pretty uninformed about modern homeschooling, they're smart and make me laugh. Well, look, um, nice try, Homeschool Atheist Mom. There's no such thing. Uh, I wasn't born yesterday. I know no atheists homeschool their children. Yes, yes. Have, have they seen Jesus Camp? Because I'm sure this is where this review is coming from. Right. Go back to having your children pledge allegiance to the Christian flag <laughs> of the Christian states of... <laughs> of the United States of Christian... Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> you got some reviews you want to read? Uh I actually have a review I'd like to cover. Um, this one is, I wish I could give this a zero. They are so in love with themselves, they don't realize how prideful and ignorant they sound. It's a it's a one-star review by Nacho Business. Now, uh, what did you think about this review, Charlie? Uh, I didn't see the review. Is that new? Uh, no, no. It was put out on January 8th, 2011. Oh, wait... It's the Evidence for Faith review. Uh, I, I, why did you... Uh, I discussed this earlier on, about uh, two or three weeks ago on a podcast, and you cut out the discussion we had concerning the Evidence for Faith reviews that wound up on their site. Why did you cut that out of the podcast? Yeah, well, <laughs> I was running a little experiment to see if you actually listened to this fucking show. <laughs> I figure I would have heard from you about, you know, hey, you cut out that section... And I figure, you know, two, three weeks go by, that asshole doesn't even listen to our own show. <laughs> well, um, you'd be correct. I don't normally listen to the show unless it's an interesting show. And that, that one was interesting where we uh, discussed this, so I did listen to it. And the reason I didn't comment on it is because I figured maybe you were trying to play nice-nice with the Evans for Faith guys and you didn't want to hear my words concerning this. <laughs> no. Uh, I actually don't really care. I, you know, I, don't you think you'll scare them off with your mean uh, email exchange? No. Uh, <laughs> and even if I do, I don't care. Doesn't, doesn't matter. <laughs> All right, well, considering uh, that you cut it out, why don't we bring it up again? Now, uh, the reason why I why? brought up these I'll, reviews... I'll just cut it out again. You... You'll never know. Yeah, that's true. Well, well, now I'm going to go and listen for it because I know that you're throwing this <laughs> shit out there, you little fucker. <laughs> uh, sitting there deleting things that I said just to see if I'm paying attention, you asshole. <laughs> How many other times have you done this? Uh, it's about every episode. You asshole. <laughs> or how many I've missed. <laughs> well, at any rate... When, when we debated Evidence for Faith, they had one iTunes review. After we were done debating them, suddenly they had more than 20 reviews. There were two pages of reviews now, and it's just one star, one star, one star. And, of course, 
suddenly they started getting five-star reviews, and I'm assuming that's from them or their friends going, now, hold on a, a second, these atheists are taking over our iTunes rating. And, uh, you know, guys, i got to say, it's a little mean, some of the things that you guys said, and I support it wholeheartedly. <laughs> you mean about about the reviews they were reviewing on their uh, podcast? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love this one. Painful Pitiful, one star. I didn't know who you guys were until Irreligiosophy's uh, discussion with you. Then they said you talked a lot of trash on your next episode without them, so I decided to listen to myself. And then it just gets meaner and meaner as it goes. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) It's just hilarious to me that they start out with one review. They have just one episode with us, and then suddenly all of our fans are, not all of them, but a bunch of them are over there just throwing out reviews left and right. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want them to think that we're releasing the hordes of atheists to to uh, down uh, rate their uh, review. Uh, this is simply a natural process that happens uh, when you engage with atheists in intelligent discussion. Yes. Well, hang on, semi-intelligent discussion. Yeah, you prove just how low the discussion can go. <laughs> I didn't realize discussions played limbo. All right, uh, let's go to the skunktick of the week. Um, it is clearly latent for engaging in a, a heated email exchange with Kirk Hastings and posting it on the internet. What a dick. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wouldn't necessarily call it heated because I was laughing my ass off the entire time on my side. I, I couldn't tell with all the dick waving whether you were laughing or crying. or just. <laughs> someone pointed out that it really brought out the drama queen in you, and uh, yeah, I, I got to agree with that one. Yes. You should read the email exchange with his family. Holy shit, those hundred emails. Woo! Oh, God. Yeah, you wanted a heated exchange. That is a heated exchange. This little Kirk Hastings things, it, it it's just barely a bump in the road. However, I'm not supposed to mention you because you've been relegated to the Skunk Dick Hall of Fame for your skunk dickery, your continued persistent skunk dickery. No, wait, wait, so, wait. I can't win anymore? No, that's what the Hall of Fame means. It's like retiring your jersey. Shit. Well, I guess I'm up there with Michael Jordan, so I guess that works. Uh, so we're going to have to give it to someone else. And uh, uh, surprise, surprise, uh, we're going to give it to the Evidence for Faith crew. Why Why? <laughs> why this time? Well, I don't know. You gave me all this shit about harassing that asshole, and now you're giving them a skunk dick? I, I might have lost here. I, I give up. Um, if they want to come on the show, they come on the show. And um, after this, I really, frankly, don't really care. Um, uh, well, what's... What's going on is that we debated them in December, and I thought the debate stood on its own fairly well. It didn't need to be much explaining. Yeah, I Uh, mean, although there wasn't much of a debate, and there's been some complaints that we didn't really get to issues, but once again, it was their show. They are guiding the discussion. It's not our fault they didn't get to any issues. They were asking us about our Mormon background up to that point. Right, you can't complain about lack of time. Oh, you didn't have time to crush us. Uh, because um, they spent about 30 to 40 minutes talking about our Mormon backgrounds. If you wanted to get to the actual substance of the debate, skip the whole fucking thing about the Mormon backgrounds. God, listen to our show. We talk about it plenty. Jump straight into the debate. Which is hilarious because then, after they complain about not having much time, where we really only get to issues for 15 minutes, you would think, well, those 15 minutes would stand on their own, but you would be wrong. No, they complained they didn't have enough time, so they've been going through uh, since that time and talking about all these subjects, right? They spent an hour the very next week explaining. You think that would be enough time, right? An hour on like a 15-minute segment where we're debating. No. Now they're doing little segments about second law of thermodynamics again, uh, and the latest episode that you pointed out to me was, what, Beneficial Mutations? Yeah, yeah. Basically, uh, in preparing for us to do this recording, I went to their site to download uh, the uh, the entropy and the second law of thermodynamics, and lo and behold, right there, they released the next week was which was beneficial mutations. Yeah, I, I'm I'm flabbergasted. I uh, I don't know what to say. Um, I'm almost feeling like I'm being internet stalked. Yeah. Well, and. Now you understand why I could give two shits about their little uh, feelings there. 
As far as I'm concerned, even if we do debate them, we're just going to give them material for the next year for them to just sit there and go back and nitpick and say, well, we could have said this, but they interrupted. Right, it was their show. They cut us off. They didn't allow us to truly express our views. So here we are in our own program. We're going to take the time. Yeah, so the dishonesty I see in them, just, yeah, I don't care anymore. I was willing to put up with it for a while, but let's let's go ahead and let's just engage them. Since they're unwilling to engage us on these issues, uh, they could have called us back, right, to, yeah. to talk about it. But but they don't because they don't want to. They don't want to look like idiots anymore, I suppose. <laughs> uh, so I think it's pretty unfair to talk about this stuff without us there. So we've come to a crossroads. We can either take the high road and uh, rise above the fray and uh, ignore it and pretend it's not happening and just move forward. Or we can take the low road and do unto them as they have done unto us. So uh, in making this decision, I did a lot of research into our show and uh, it occurred to me, when the fuck have we ever taken the high road? Low road it is! Sounds good to me. It's almost like they're taunting us, right? They're taunting us by continuing to talk about us behind our backs. Yeah. All right. Uh, So let's hit, you want to hit second law first? Yeah, yeah, I like the second law first, uh, just because of how hilarious it is coming from their lips. All right. Um, In my opinion, anyone who brings up the second law of thermodynamics uh, in debate about evolution, uh, it's almost like Hitler. You immediately disqualify yourself as having anything any sort of knowledge whatsoever about science. And if you don't have any knowledge about science, you really shouldn't be debating about science. And not only that, it's so easy to look up the counter-arguments. I typed in second law of thermodynamics instantly in Google's little pop-up. Second law of thermodynamics evolution popped up. You click that, and suddenly you have just thousands of websites telling you why this doesn't have anything to do with evolution. I don't think they're using Google. I think they're using... um, Christgul. What what was that uh, Christian Wikipedia? Conservapedia. Conservapedia. That's probably where they're going. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's see what uh, the guys from Evidence for Faith have to say about the second law in our debate. One of the things what was kind of thrown out as a side issue was this argument for the second law of thermodynamics. And I answered it, I thought, pretty well. <laughs> I answered it pretty well, really. Uh, yeah, remember the answer was, you know, you don't carry around a radioactive rock in your pocket. Yeah, yeah, because... QE be- fucking D. Argument over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did respond very well to there, and I don't understand why there would be any more need to go into it if you responded so well. Yeah, absolutely. This uh, next one, they're discussing the definition of... Second law of thermodynamics and entropy. So, uh, are you ready to be educated? Well, it's about time I got me some education. You're saying everything is decaying. Yes. And this is the kind of thing that we see happening all the time. This is just common knowledge to the simplest person that if you leave a piece of beefsteak out on the counter for. It's going to rot. Exactly. (laughs) It's going to become less organized. If you leave your car sitting out in the weather, it's going to rust. And the technical term for that is entropy. So, Leighton, when when you're in your physics class and they talk about entropy, Mm -hmm. the two examples that they use all the time are rotting meat and rusting cars. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in fact... uh... My physics teacher actually stabbed a chunk of meat into the wall, and then we had to watch it rot. <laughs> because nothing says entropy like rotting meat. It's just common sense. <laughs> yeah, I, I now know more about the second law of thermodynamics than I ever learned in any physics class I've ever taken. I instead of a massive sigh here, why don't we just go to uh, Wikipedia, your favorite research? Well, if they're going to Christianpedia, at least. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Christopedia. Christopedia. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Uh, second law of thermodynamics is an expression of the tendency that over time differences in temperature, pressure, and chemical potential equilibrate in an isolated physical system. 
Um, basically, Seglov thermodynamics says that entropy in a, in a closed system, entropy will increase over time. Stop, period, done with the second law. That's it. It doesn't say yeah. anything about localized decreases in entropy, so long as you have an increase. It's just, if you were to put it in like a mathematical equation, it would say that entropy is always positive over time. Yeah. That's it. And see, and, and this is why you, you get these creationists who just cling to anything. And with this, they believe it says everything moves towards disorder over time. Therefore, evolution can't exist. Uh, right. Um, and again, as I, as I stated in the debate, order and disorder are only loose approximations of entropy. There, there's an entire article written about how poor order and disorder is uh, as, a, as a metaphor for entropy. For example, let's take a look at the, the, the most common. What, actually, when, when physics professors talk about entropy or chemistry professors talk about entropy, the most common example is you got a, a glass of ice water, right? Yeah. You got yeah. you know a bunch of crushed ice or a bunch of ice cubes in there, and over time, what happens to that system? Well, what happens to the system is uh, you get a heat exchange between them. Uh, the ice begins to melt. You get puddling on the outside, and then equilibrium sets in. Right. So what you have is a room temperature that is hotter than the cup itself, right, because of the ice. Eventually, heat will be pulled in from the environment into the ice water, melt the ice, and eventually you'll have the water um, at room temperature, right? It, it's all in equilibrium. Yeah, and you That's can take that same concept and apply it to our universe as a whole system. In the subsystem, say our solar system, there can be increases in entropy here and decreases of entropy in other subsystems, but on the overall system, it is seeking equilibrium. Right, so now if you take that cup and you, you look at it purely in terms not of heat exchange but purely in terms of order and disorder what's happening here you're going from a disordered system that has multiple components solid and liquid components and you're increasing the order because you you uh, now have an orderly liquid instead of a chaotic mass of liquid and solid that don't make no sense. No, no, but everything's going towards disorder. I, I don't understand this. I think your example is flawed. How about when you shake up a mixture of oil and water, right? So you shake it up, and immediately after you shake it up, it's this chaotic mixture of oil and water. But if you leave it to itself, what happens? The oil separates from the water, goes back to where it is more buoyant and floating on the top. Isn't that more orderly now, where you have a, a one layer of oil and a, a second layer of water? How in the fuck do you explain that based on order and disorder? Then I, I'll tell you, the entropy of the system has increased. Uh, How is I that can't. possible? You have to I, look into the, the kinetics of the reaction and the properties of oil and water, the hydrophilic and the hydrophobic, and the chemical potential of that in order to figure out how the entropy increases. You can't just go order dis disorder on that. It doesn't make any fucking sense. But where does Jesus fit into that equation? I mean, I know he's the one in there separating it. Well, yeah, he's holding this stuff apart because, you know, it, it violates. That little uh, example violates the second law of thermodynamics, so Jesus gets in there and makes sure that uh, uh, he's providing the energy to do that. Yes. Uh, expansion of gas into a vacuum. Say you have <laughs> a gas, right? And then uh -huh. you have separated by a membrane... Right, and you've got a vacuum in that membrane, right? So that vacuum takes up twice the space as the gas is in right now. They're moving around. They're chaotic. It's a short area, right? They're they're moving around. You pop a hole in that membrane. What's going to happen? Instantly, it's all sucked inside of the vacuum. Right. So how does increasing the area that the gas can move into? It seems like it'd bump up against other gas molecules uh, less than it would when it's in that enclosed area, but somehow, again, in this case, the entropy has increased. What does that fucking have to do with order and disorder? <laughs> well, it has to do with order and disorder because it sounds fancy and scientific if you can throw out a scientific law and state this is the reason why evolution is false. If you have very pure water 
and you cool it slowly. And it doesn't have any anything uh, in there, any um, pieces of dust or crystals or anything like that. Uh, you can super cool the water, right? Mm-hmm. Now you drop a tiny ice crystal in the super cooled water. What happens? Crystal formation. Instantly. Now again, what the fuck is happening here? <laughs> that is a, a, a massive increase in order. But yet somehow the... Uh, Entropy has increased. Jesus fucking Christ. You have to look at heat exchange, chemical potential, all this stuff. Entropy is not purely order disorder. That's a metaphor, and sometimes that metaphor completely breaks apart. There are tons more examples, but I think I I, I think we've proven our point here. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if we should beat entropy anymore. <laughs> I think we should that, move on to the now next that I've things. I've bored the shit out of all our audience and confused the shit out of all of our Christian audience. Let's move on to our next example from the Evidence for Faith guys. He's um, talking about the difference between an open system and a closed system. And uh, I want you to carefully listen to the shift in gears here. So now what evolutionists do is they take that principle and they say, okay, the Earth is not a closed system because we have things like the sun imparting heat, light, and energy into the Earth system that can alter things. Right. Now, I've never quite understood how they say it alters it, but anyway, they say it, it's, it has the potential of altering things. Right. Okay, did you notice the subtle shift there? Uh, which subtle shift are you referring to? <laughs> talking about where they talk from the, the, they talk about the second law of thermodynamics, right? About decay and entropy. Then they talk about, you know, how uh, evolutionist response is that, um, this is so funny because. <laughs> It's really chemists and physics response, but okay. Evolutionists response say that uh, you know the the sun is pouring in uh, tons of energy, and then they say I've never really understood how it that is uh, converted into usable work and blah blah blah. Look, you're not talking about the second law of thermodynamics anymore. The so second law of thermodynamics is mathematically satisfied it, with small pockets of order. If you want to talk about order, decreasing entropy. If you have massive amounts of entropy coming in from heat from the sun, that's it. You, you don't – how – the second law of thermodynamics doesn't give two shits about how. You creationists do. You Christians do. The second law doesn't. You're no longer talking about the second law when you're talking about how it happens. <laughs> yeah, more specifically, the second law is just concerned about heat transfers or uh, heat loss over time, Uh, which is why they state that the universe is losing energy as it goes along. We are coming down to heat death. Right, we are losing usable forms of energy, and eventually the the heat will all equilibrate. You'll have no more pockets of heat and then pockets of lower temperature. The whole universe will be the same temperature, and we're done. So... Now, here, here's their counterexample. Um, th- this is irrefutable. Uh, I hang my head in shame. Uh, I, you, there's no answer. Well, it'd be like, you know, uh, we have a piece of meat laying on the counter, and I've got an electrical cord. So I plug the electrical cord into the piece of meat, and now it's an open system. That piece of meat's not going to decay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just answered the question. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Color me confused. Why would you plug in a piece of meat? I understand why you would plug in a pickle, because pickles glow and they make sounds and and they're fun to watch burn. But why would you do that to a meat? Mother of Christ. The the fundamental misunderstanding of second law of thermodynamics and the concept of entropy is killing me. It is actually (laughs) painful to me to listen to this. So first of all, they come up with expecting anything better. They come up with their own weird definition of entropy in the second law, and then they come up with this counterexample to that strange definition, and somehow that answers the question. Listen, you can't just (laughs) plug a electrical cord into a piece of meat. Or or leave it out in the sun where it has a bunch of sunlight coming into it and then expect that it's going to stop decaying. There you go. Answer that, <laughs> evolutionists. Well, let's see. Uh, decay 
happens with, oh, I don't know, bacteria and other such things moving about in the air. Wasn't there an experiment done where they put a piece of meat in a uh, in a container and then pulled off like a, a twisted end of it to allow air in and watched it decay? I, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, that's true. Nobody ever <laughs> Uh, second law of thermodynamics. Oh my God! And and decay, uh, bacterial decay. You know, flesh uh, being decomposed by bacteria. Uh, clearly, um, like I said, the the most clear example of entropy I think that that we could have. Forget yeah, it's the clear as mud as far as I'm concerned. Forget the ice in the room. Um, rotting meat. I think will will take over as the most clear example. Yeah, I'm sure you're going to have physics professors all over the world plugging in pieces of meat after this. Yes. Let's look at the thermodynamic equilibrium of a piece of meat before and after bacteria eat it. <laughs> Anybody? Anybody? Any you questions? <laughs> Why? Any questions? This will be on the test. This will be on the test, yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you want to talk about fundamental misunderstandings of the second law and entropy... I can think of no better example from the show than this one where he's talking about a scientist, right? He's looked up some internet article, and he's talking about a scientist um, who is arguing against these evolutionists. Are you ready? I am. Now, he goes on in great detail here. I don't have time to read all of this, but if I could boil down the rest of what he says here, is he's saying that all of the scientific evidence we have at this point shows that the energy from the sun, meaning heat, light, radiation, whatever, does not sidestep entropy. It actually, if anything, appears to increase it. Right. If you're going to find an internet article that addresses the problems with the evolutionist response to the second law, you might want to make sure it agrees with your position. <laughs> of course the sun output increases entropy of fucking course it does that's the whole argument yeah, that, the that whole was... argument is that you can have small localized pockets of order if you want to call it that and as long as it's overcome by the the sun's entropy so that overall you have a net output of positive entropy then you haven't violated the second law that's our argument <laughs> <laughs> specifically defined we're talking entropy as heat so calories btus and it's absorbed by a system and from there you divide it by the absolute temperature of the system that is what they're talking about <laughs> if you look at the mathematics of it let's call it entropy points right so yeah. the sun's putting out 10 million entropy points and a little plant grows or a crystal forms and it takes away Negative ten, right? So, so ten million minus ten entropy points gives you nine million nine hundred ninety-nine thousand plus entropy points. The second law of thermodynamics is conserved. Christ can take it easy. He doesn't have to hold this stuff together. We're good. We're good. That's what okay. we're saying. Well, see that I'm most worried about Christ taking it easy. That dude needs a vacation after getting crucified. Yeah, he's holding all the molecules in the world together. He's making sure the second law doesn't get violated. He's a busy, busy, busy fucking crucified person. If he's only the busiest. He could make sure other people weren't violated. Maybe that would be a useful time. He's too busy. <laughs> he's too busy to worry about pedophilia and, and Catholicism. Yeah, yeah, dude, damn busy holding molecules together. All right, this this, la this is the, the last thing I'm going to say about uh, second law of thermodynamics. Um, I just had to put this in because um, it is so funny. Uh, again, a, a fundamental misunderstanding. Let's, um, let's listen to this. You ready? Yes, sir. Now, an example of this that comes to the top of my head is if you walk outside and you go down the beach and you know with a bathing suit on and you stand there for six hours in the sun, what's going to happen? Are you going to become stronger, better? Right. Are you going to evolve a big brain? Right. You know, are you going to get be a better human being than you were when you got there? No, you're going to end up with a sunburn. Mm. Well, see, I'm not so concerned about evolving a big brain. <laughs> I would just like them to evolve a brain. <laughs> the counterexample is you go to the beach and you don't fucking turn into Wolverine. <laughs> 
<laughs> Since that doesn't happen, <laughs> clearly evolution violates the second law of thermodynamics. Clearly, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if you want to talk about the how, all right, again, we're not talking about the second law of thermodynamics. If you want to talk about how heat uh, creates order or drives forward thermodynamically unfavorable reactions. You have to get into chemistry, right? You have to talk about activation energy of chemical reactions. There's this little energetic hill that most of these reactions have to overcome, right? And once you get over that bump, then the reaction can proceed forward. And that bump is an energy bump. So if you increase the heat of a system, you increase the uh, amount of momentum that the particles are, are bouncing off against each other. If they hit each other, they strike each other with enough force and momentum to overcome that activation energy, the activation can proceed forward. And again, we're talking about abiogenesis as opposed to spontaneous generation because these guys like to conflate the two. Um, yes. the, the key to differentiating the two is the unfavorability of various reactions involved in abiogenesis. If you can overcome that unfavorability, that's why a primordial soup, a cold primordial soup, it leads nowhere. That's why we've moved from primordial soups to hydrothermal vents, right? Because you got a heat source. Yes. Once you have heat into a system, we're talking basic chemistry right. at this point. And in the hydrothermal vents, you've got stuff um, that naturally uh, occurs because of the, the heat. Uh, that, that moves you into pyruvate and uh, adenosine phosphate. Now, pyruvate is molecule number one involved in the Krebs cycle, right? Anaerobic metabolism. Adenosine phosphate is a precursor to adenosine triphosphate, which is ATP. Well, ATP, as most people should understand, is the basic energy conversion within our own bodies. It is the energy currency of the cell. Anyway, um, we'll, we'll save that for later. But uh, yeah, I thought that I thought that was a pretty hilarious example. If you know people who don't, you know, the, going to the beach and you don't suddenly uh, mutate into this massive-brained individual, and instead you get a sunburn. Yeah. Yeah, that's somebody who's been watching too much science fiction. Have you been seeing Jumper lately? Is that what you think is going to happen? <laughs> Uh, uh, striking, um, very problematic counterexample to uh, both the second law of thermodynamics and evolution. Yeah. Okay, so I, I think we, we've beaten second law of thermodynamics to death. We've been completely unable to address any of their complaints, so I surrender on that issue. Um, yes, I, I, I believe uh, what they have put forth about plugging in meat is irrefutable. I indisputable evidence of Christ. Uh <laughs> All right, well, let's go on to the second topic, which they just recently did, which is the uh, which is beneficial mutations. Yeah, um, no, uh, this is something that, as I recall from the argument, when it was brought up, they, they had you repeat it so they could quickly scribble this information down. Yeah, well, he, he, he scribbled it down, definitely. Um, but to set this up, this is the part of the debate, right, where I was having microphone problems. <laughs> <laughs> yes, in fact, uh, as I recall, it was either doc was it Dr. Mike who kept talking, even though I kept saying, "Well, hold on a second, Charlie, we'll be in here in just a moment." Yeah, it was Dr. Mike. Um, yeah. So you had mentioned that it, you know evolutionary theory is replete with examples that of stepwise process, right? Yeah. And uh, Dr. Mike says, "Name one," right? So yeah. uh, Keith picks it up from here. Uh, let's listen in on this. Then Chuck jumped in, and I guess, you know, I don't know, maybe to rescue Leighton, I don't know. But anyways, he said, you guys say that there are, you guys always say that there are no beneficial mutations. Okay? I don't know if you remember that part in the debate. And in reality, we don't say that there are no beneficial mutations. In fact, Mike and I had on previous podcasts covered uh, beneficial mutations. Uh, what what do you think about that, Layton? I was uh, pretty accurate. First off, fuck you. <laughs> what, what, what's this about jumping in and saving me? As I recall the conversation going, uh, basically I was trying to get them to halt, and then I started talking to them about evolution, and then you jumped in to throw out these beneficial mutations. How is that rescuing me? Listen, um, it's impossible for me to jump in and rescue Leighton because during the entire debate, I was bogged down uh, like an albatross with Leighton hung around my yeah. fucking neck. 
I mean, uh, come on now. Everybody knows that when you put me into a situation, I'm going to drag down the intelligence of the situation. <laughs> it's just a well, given. It's well, like the, the fourth law of thermodynamics. <laughs> uh, well, let, let's address the claim that um, that they've never said that there are no beneficial mutations. They've never held that position. What am I, fucking crazy? No. Have I never listened to the show? I don't understand why you would even bring that up. Let's, um, you know, go and listen to their podcast called The Truth About Mutations. Uh, if anywhere, it's a half-hour podcast, I think, in October 2008, anywhere they'd say beneficial mutations, it would be this one, right? Let, let's hear Dr. Mike talk about mutations in this podcast. In fact, Keith and I both maintain that all genetic mutations lead to disease, death, deformity, and um, nothing really good uh, can come out of a uh, mutation. Right. <laughs> so let's see. Well, that, that was two years ago, though, when they brought up that every mutation causes disease death and deformity. So that was two years ago. I don't know if we can fault them on that. You're right. I mean, maybe, after all, two maybe, years ago was like the Middle Ages. Maybe they changed their mind. It's possible. Let, let's listen to a podcast they put out on April 25th of this year uh, and uh, see if they uh, say anything about beneficial mutations. And from a, a physician's perspective, when I see a mutation in real life, mm -hmm. I see disease, death, and deformity. Those are the That's three options. That's why almost all... Uh... All examples of this are, uh, how should I put it, detrimental. That, that is correct. Almost all mutations are in a worse state than they were before. Right. Hmm. Well, that um, change. <laughs> uh, yeah. And plus, well, plus they've added another wrong statement on top of that. Uh, most mutations are neutral, and that's a given uh, because of the redundancy of the genetic code. Um if you have you know three codons that um, all code for the same thing, then you uh, you can have a point mutation and still code for the same thing. And that, that's a it doesn't make any difference at all. If when you have, we're talking, we don't make exact copies of ourselves. When we procreate, the next generation has differences in them or mutations. Right. Most of those are neutral. If you don't have a mutation in the binding site of a protein, and it doesn't affect the folding of the protein then uh, it, it doesn't matter either. Practically speaking, that is invisible to natural selection. Anyway, uh, maybe, you know, about as recently as November. This yeah, was they, only two months ago. Maybe surely they their position over a year. Surely they've changed their position and, and uh, say that there are tons of beneficial mutations. How about that? Yeah. And, you know, when I look at major mutations from a, um, uh, a medicine perspective, mm -hmm. major mutations cause major problems with health. You know, there's 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 problems with disease and death, deformity. I, you know, it's never a good thing to have major mutations. And right. Am I the only one here wondering if this guy is like a broken record and just says the same thing over and over again? Maybe maybe disease, death, and deformity are beneficial mutations. <laughs> well, you know, if you die, you go to heaven, so that's beneficial. I love the fact that he says in medicine, I never see. Uh, any beneficial mutations. All I see is disease, death, and deformity. Well, what the fuck do you think you're treating, dipshit? <laughs> do you think if I went to the beach in my bathing suit and I got exposed to the sun and I suddenly had a brain that was twice as big, I'd come in and doc, hey, doc, I'm so much smarter now. Fix me. <laughs> hey, doc, these claws are popping out of my hand. Why, why am I here? <laughs> doc, my dick is 20 inches long. I just got a mutation. Can I you do know, something about that? Doc, my, my porn star career is off the charts, <laughs> but I really need help doing something about this mutation. Doc, I developed a resistance to HIV. Oh, fix me, please! <laughs> Doc, I need to have the same chances of catching HIV as everyone else. Come on! Your job is treating disease and deformity and trying to prevent death. That's what you do! Do you think there's a selection bias? God almighty. All right, uh, they 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 want to get on to different uh, examples um, because they talk about how you know these are all due to a loss of uh, genetic information and and how you know there's no really beneficial mutation blah 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 you know there's nothing 100% beneficial so let's listen to what they have to say about that. 
Let's do some more quickly. Let's let's run through some more beneficial, so-called beneficial mutations. How about the one that I think that Chuck mentioned it in the debate, how human beings in Africa have developed the ability to resist malaria. Malaria? You're talking about the sickle cell anemia situation. Exactly right. I don't remember bringing that up in the debate. Well, I'm trying to remember when malaria was ever mentioned in the debate. Now, I, I understand that an HIV mutation was brought up, but never once did I hear malaria brought up at all. Yeah, um, let's actually, you know, it's not their fault. Um, recently, uh, we snuck into their offices and stole all the copies uh, of the debate off of their servers. Yeah. We deleted every copy uh, from the Internet and uh, all the backup copies. Fortunately, and, we, we have a copy ourselves. It's not yeah. their fault they don't have one. Well, not only that, but uh, the debate was so long-winded that, uh, I, I mean, the mass You're amount right. of information that was covered, it, it would be very difficult to go back and listen to that 10 minutes of conversation. It's like a quantum indeterminacy. It's very difficult to pinpoint both the time and the content. You know, you, you got to have one or the other. But fortunately, we found it. Yeah, it, it took us some searching, and we had to beat our new Korean child, but we did find it. Here it is. In an evolutionary standpoint, it doesn't make sense, because uh, there is quite a bit of step-by-step -step evolutionary processes that go on. Show me one. Show well, me one. Uh, uh, you, you guys always say there are no beneficial mutations. What about uh, resistance to HIV in a population with a CCR5 gene? How about the uh, beneficial mutation of apolipoprotein uh, in a community in Milan where you can actually look at the original individual who had the mutation that confers resistance to uh, atherosclerosis? Um, I mean, I got more if you want them, but uh, Google beneficial mutation. It'll pop up for you. So we have CCR5 and the... Apolipoprotein mutation. Yeah, the uh, Prevent right, preventing heart disease. I'm relatively disease. sure that that deals with malaria, right? Uh, so I never mentioned malaria, and give me some credit. I've, I've listened to your show a couple times. Uh, you guys talk about malaria probably six or seven times on the show. It's one of uh, Dr. Mike's favorite topics because he thinks that you know evolutionists bring this up this you know all the time, and, and it's easily refuted. Uh, he calls sickle cell anemia sick as hell anemia. That's a Boy, that's joke. clever. That's a little clever. joke. A little medical humor for you, Leighton. Yeah. Uh, and if if I wanted to go into it, I suppose we could, but again, we're, we're winding up for time, and I wanted to get back to the Kalam cosmological argument. But listen, um, Mike, Mike ought to be embarrassed about this, uh, first of all, because he's a physician. Well, he should be embarrassed um, about a lot of things. I mean, uh, walking yeah. around saying the triple D's death, deformity and disease. Well, yeah, you're right. Um, it's a little unfair of me to pick this out in particular. There's there's a <laughs> lot of things everyone on that show should be embarrassed about. Yeah. Um, but uh, the, the difference between sickle cell anemia and malaria resistance is sickle cell anemia is homozygous. You got two copies of the allele. Sickle cell trait is heterozygous. You got one copy of the allele. If you got one copy of the allele, you typically don't have that many problems, right? You survive all right. You can reproduce. You can have children. Uh, there's a 50% chance you'll pass that trait on to your children. It does confer malarial resistance because it does interfere with the, the uh, shape of the red blood cell, even if you only have one copy of the allele, and it makes it more difficult for the uh, blood cells to get through and be actually infected by the malaria. Um, but the sickle cell trait is just one copy of the allele. So you can have malarial resistance but not have sickle cell anemia. Is that understandable to you guys? Do, do, do you get that? Well, I, I don't know. Maybe you should put together a course for Dr. Mike to go through. Oh, my God. See Look sickle up. cell run. <laughs> See sickle cell. Google or go on Conservapedia and look up sick as hell anemia. I'm sure it'll, <laughs> and, it'll and get And we'll all, all just guess who put that, uh, that little post in there. All right. So, um, you know, I had a sneaking suspicion that what they're doing in on the debate, and they may have planned this all along. I don't know. Um, what they do is they go through all these topics that were brought up on the debate. They'll do a little stupid research. They'll they'll go to some website, 
and uh, research a bunch of stuff that other people have written, and then they'll talk as if you know they they, they thought all this stuff up themselves and yeah, et cetera, so et cetera. They're qualified to be speaking on the subject, and everybody should listen to them. I mean, so, it, it's readily apparent in just the way they present the material. Like, hey, there's nothing else beyond this, right? You know, as they present these questions as stumpers for evolutionists, <laughs> like there's no response. <laughs> uh, but let's um, they, they actually uh, we got Kirk. Uh, talking about a particular article that that he had researched, and we okay, actually so get, we get to listen to his research. All right. We get a source on this. So let's listen to that. But where where do you have, find this? Uh, an internet article that I was reading. I don't have the source right in front of me, but um, okay. it was probably on the Institute for Creation Research website because that was the main site that I was looking at. The Institute for Creation Research website. Hmm. Don't you think you might want to read what they say there and then go look and see if there are any counter-arguments out on the Internet? On the ICR webpage, they're about themselves. For four decades, the Institute for Creation Research has equipped believers with evidence of the Bible's accuracy and authority through scientific research, educational programs, and media presentations, all conducted within a thoroughly biblical framework. Yeah, that's not biased at all. There, um, no, no propaganda there. It's that's completely science because, yeah, you know, as with the rest of science, you don't uh, start with your conclusion and work backwards, right? I mean, that's how science works. We assume evolution is true, and then we go backwards and and pick and cherry pick all these little things, and and we hope that uh, creationists don't find all these counterexamples, like the second law of thermodynamics. We we hope that no one notices that. Yeah, and this is why we have progressed so far with science is because of this way of doing it. Right. You know, we scientific creationism has given us fruits like airplanes and computers and plasma TVs. <laughs> uh, science just gives us worthless shit like evolution. Yeah. I mean, re- yeah. who really cares about evolution? Yeah, yeah. What the fuck you know, it, it, it make? it's it's really okay to sit out there on your broadcast station and denigrate science because they really haven't given you anything uh, useful <laughs> like the microphones and the transmitters that you are using. Let me read you some of the foundational principles of scientific creationism as found on the Institute for Creation Research site. The phenomenon of biological life did not develop by natural processes from inanimate systems, but was specially and supernaturally created by the Creator. Oh, okay. Well, if you take that as a given then clearly uh, it's unbiased. Yeah, yeah, and they must have massive amounts you will, of evidence for this creator. You will get uh, fair, objective, uh, unbiased information from this site. I, mean, there, there's, uh, I don't think they have a dog in this hunt at all. No, no, no. There, there, is, there is no way they could have any opinion either way on this matter. Uh, right. A hundred percent. Principles of biblical creationism. The creator of the universe is a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There is only one eternal and transcendent God, the source of all being and meaning, and he exists in three persons, each of whom participated in the work of creation. Uh, Clearly, there is um, massive amounts of scientific evidence for that. I believe uh, they recently dug up the fossils of the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Which is why he's known as the Holy Ghost now, because of his fossils. He turned into a ghost a long time ago. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, God. The first human beings, Adam and Eve, were specially created by God, and all other men and women are their descendants. Again, lots of proof for that. The biblical record of primeval earth history in Genesis 1 through 11 is fully historical and perspicuous, oh, including oh, the creation oh, of all of man, the curse. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, again. If you want uh, unbiased, uh, completely objective stuff, definitely go to a site where their entire uh, site is about is, page. Is, yeah, is there are about to, pages about how much the Bible is true. Yeah, is dedicated to serving up propaganda. Yeah. So uh, now we know their strategy. Uh, I'm like I said, I'm a little leery about having them on again. Uh, we'll probably give them enough material uh, to last them until the heat death of the universe. Now. I, I have to admit, I did talk to one of our fans earlier, uh, Hot Pocket, uh, and I were having a conversation, and she pointed out that uh, 
if we did do this debate, it would be for our fans and for their enjoyment, not ours. And I'm not sure how you should respond to that. Well, fuck our fans. What have what have our fans done for us? Um, I'm trying to think. They bitched at us over Pacti, and they wouldn't donate to feeding him. They killed Pacti. That's what they did. You fucking not a single Pacti. donation. Now we get we're stuck with a fat Korean kid. Yeah. That kid eats like three times as much as Pacti. Do you guys understand how many more donations we need to feed this fat ass? <laughs> <laughs> should have stuck with Pacti. Guess you should have thought that out, huh? You didn't think that through, did you? <laughs> we got another Halloween conference coming up. Fuck That's if true. I'm going to leave more than a can of tuna fish for that fat kid. And I may think about unlocking the, the bathroom so he can drink out of the toilet, but that depends on you guys. That depends on your donations. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if we, we reach $10,000 by March, we will consider leaving the door open to the bathroom. And you know, I think we should change our donation program from violate the word of wisdom to feed the fat-ass Korean. <laughs> Uh, shit. Anyway, uh, you know, getting back to the uh, evidence for faith, guys, and like I said, um, I guess I'm not leery uh, about... Yeah, it. we're not leery about spanking them like small children. It's just a matter of as soon as we do this episode with them, they're going to have a year's worth of material where on their show, they're just going to sit there and go, well, you know, we, we said this, but, you know, they were wrong. Right. I thought it was a good answer. Right. Here's what we didn't, here's what those evil evolutionists uh, prevented us from saying while we were on the show. I get that's okay. I think what my policy, I think, is going to be, we'll have them on the show, we'll debate them, have a good time, and never listen to them again. Yes, I say, after this debate, we drop them, and I never get a phone call at 10 o'clock at night going, dude, you got to listen to this new episode, because I will kick your ass if you ever bring them up again. All right, deal. And, you know, since you've started a bunch of fight clubs, you certainly could kick my ass, I'm certain Yeah, that. that's true, that's true. But then again, uh, you are a black belt in Taekwondo, so you, you might have a fighting chance. That was years and years ago. It never leaves you. It's like riding a bicycle. Uh, right, I'm just as flexible as I was when I was 16. <laughs> I can see that spinning hill kick coming, you know, just lightning fast, Daniel's son. <laughs> first, you got to spin my gut around first, and then my, my heel Well, that's the preemptive attack, is they're slapped with the gelatinous. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on. Okay, um, I think I think that's probably enough on this particular topic. If they want to come on the show, they can come on the show. If not, then uh, fuck you. And with that, we'll see you next week.